Hey, it's Lisa Wimberger here. I'm the founder of Neurosculpting and I have helped thousands of people learn really powerful tools to regulate their minds and their bodies, including pro athletes, entrepreneurs, and those with serious stress-based illnesses. So I'm really excited to help you do the very same thing through education and some incredible guest experts. And together, we're going to discover the formula to unlock hope. So welcome. Hey there. So we are so, so fortunate today to have Ben Bukulski with us. I got to speak with him, oh, it was probably about a year and a half ago already, or I don't know, even longer. Um, but Ben is considered the godfather of intelligent muscle building. That's quite uh it's quite the statement, but this is true because I've been following your podcast and I've been following your work and you are a wealth of information. Um, he is considered the world's best muscle expert and top authority on physique optimization and lifestyle integration specifically for men over 35. He teaches six pillars of lean, healthy, and muscular body. He's the CEO of the Muscle Intelligence brand. He does the Muscle Intelligence podcast um, and the creator of MI40, which I'm not sure I know what that's about, so we can talk about that. He's also considered a former top 10 bodybuilder in the world, having competed in Mr. Olympia and the Arnold Schwarzenegger classics. And when you're not busy doing all of that and being a massive social media influencer, he's spending time with his children, which um, that's a lot to juggle, Ben, but I'm so happy you made time for me today. So thanks for being here. You make it sound like I'm doing a lot of things and maybe it's an accumulation, right? Lisa, you get it over time. It's just like this relentless pursuit of, of understanding how I can be the greatest contributor in my space and just loving what I do. So it, yeah, I mean, it definitely made it sound like I do a lot and uh, maybe, maybe I do, but well, I appreciate I think, the intro. Thank yeah. You. I think you should own your accomplishments because nice. um, you've been driven for a really long time. I mean, I would, I do want you to talk about, you know, the, the energy, the health, the optimization yeah. that you, that you share with the world. But I really want to start with, it didn't start easy for you. Um, you had challenges, but you were so driven at a young age to really push yourself. I'm, I'm kind of curious because I, I just did a podcast with another, um, like, pro athlete kind of level person. And she said something interesting. She said, so many of us are driven because we're running from our demons. And mm. that hit me. And I'm wondering if that was true for you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, hundred percent. So the, the irony of my life is I grew up um, probably until the age of 12, um, being told I had a learning disability. I had a speech impediment because I spoke with a stutter. And I was obese. So those are my three, like my, wow. my trilogy. Right. So um, what I realized is I didn't actually have a learning disability. I just had a, a dysfunctional lifestyle as a child, which I can talk about. My yeah. speech impediment was due to just like uh, crippling fear of, of adults because of, of the circumstances I grew up in. And obesity was because nobody ever gave me any direction or cared about what I was eating. And I was eating really poorly. So those three things literally turned into what I do today. Now, I obviously make a living speaking on stage you know, educating and then as a professional bodybuilder, which is, you know, the exact opposite of what my biggest pain was as a child. So I completely agree with that. Yeah. And so um, 
how did you even come into health? Because you, you started with a bunch of disadvantages, right? Parents who didn't educate you on health and well-being, parents who might have contributed greatly to your fear, uh, which then converted into your disability, you know, you know, disability in quotes, right? The, the stuttering. How did you take a massive leap out of that paradigm and into one that was going to get you into the gym? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see how those two things. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you, it's interesting. One of the things that I continue to tell people to this day is like, even when you're in a really hard situation where everyone around you doesn't feel supportive, feels like everyone's doing everything other than you are. The hardest thing in the world to do is be who you are in that space. And the reason I, I'm so adamant about that to people is because those were the people that gave me the the permission to be something other than my family was. And I'll tell you what that means. Mm. I remember I remember so clearly watching the kids across the road and talking to them there in my class and going and, and one of them saying, yeah, I really love my brother. I didn't know it was possible to love your sibling. I thought you were just supposed to fight each other. I didn't realize it was possible to respect your parents and like be kind to them and speak nicely. I didn't know. So all I knew was like, anger and turmoil and hostility and everyone was always at everyone's throat and, and so so i could watch across the road and watch this this beautiful family just like care for each other i was like whoa what, what is it about them right why why do they get to do that and i have to be stuck in this and so that gave me permission to think differently and that was just such a gift for me from a very young age wow um so what got you into the gym uh, sports. So when I was a kid, I, I was, I always say I was a lone wolf, right? From the time I was seven years old, I was spent 98% of my time by myself. And so I got into just like, uh, individual sports, like as many things I could do by myself. I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. Let's go. Cause I didn't want to be in, in the chaotic turmoil of the house. I would literally wake mm. up in the morning, run out the back door. And then by the time the sun was coming down and the light, the street lights were coming on, I was coming back in. So that, you that literally was... were running from your demons. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. And okay. So I became pretty good at sports because that's all I did. Like if I could find someone playing a game, I was going to join. If I could, if I could find them doing something that was not me being in my house, I was there. Um, so because I became good at sports, people started taking notice and, and making suggestions about like, Hey, if you want to get good at this, you should probably, by the time I was 14, like you should probably join the gym. Mm -hmm. So I joined the YMCA and it was, it was like, I had never felt so good in my life. I literally went, I became obsessed. I literally went every single day because it was this escape from, um, you know, maybe some semblance of anger and depression and loneliness that I experienced every day as a child. And I go to the gym and I feel fulfilled and I feel like accomplished. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest. Was no it was it off the personal accomplishment or were you also finding your people or not yet? Not yet. No, okay. so I didn't really start finding my people until I went to university. And gotcha. uh, gosh, I think university, the exclusive reason I was able to go to university or college is is because of exercise, right? I started to believe in myself and my ability to make a change. So when I started to train, I started to go, gosh, like I can actually change my body. Like, this is crazy. I didn't think this was possible before. How long before you started seeing changes that started to fuel themselves? Pretty, pretty quickly, probably really? three months. Yeah, See, probably, I'm, I'm asking that because I've never been a gym person until the last, I would say couple of years. And the whole first year, I, I had to have a personal trainer because I'm not the kind of person that's going to go unless I am paying someone too much money that it causes a pain for me to miss it, yeah. right? So it has to be like yeah. that balance. But the whole first year, I had to talk myself into going every single time. And 
I don't know that I was, you know, seeing the physical results yet, but the, for, for me, the game changer was getting on that machine. I got on the machine the, when I first started and then a, a year later that, uh, gets your BMI and your skeletal muscle mass and your, your hydration. Right. And I saw that I had lost body fat, gained muscle mass. So even though I couldn't see it on the outside yet, the numbers flipped something. So I know my moment of, oh, this is really working. So for you, that moment of, oh, this is really working. That was like what you said within like three months. Yeah, so wow. I literally went from never having worked out from from being a guy who did like some long distance running and I only ran because I, I wanted to run, run until I felt really, really like pain inside mm. and basically a vegetarian. And then I flipped to like, I want to I want to build muscle and I started eating meat and I started, you know, uh, training with muscle with weight and my weight went up pretty quickly. My, my body started to change pretty quickly. I was also 15 years old, probably full of hormones. Right. And that's all I did. Right. Like after school, I would literally every day, I would never miss it. It's the first thing I did. I didn't yeah. have any expectations on myself. Right. As an adult, you probably have these, this set of expectations. I had no idea it was possible. I was like, I'm just going to go and do the same thing every day. And uh, I just was like, yeah, just go and play. It almost became unsupervised play for me. It was like, I'm just going to go in and like watch these big guys. So I kind of want to emulate and do what they do. Well, how fascinating. Cause I mean, and you know all about neuroplasticity, but curiosity and play is one of the fastest ways to learn and adapt. And you just naturally, intuitively put yourself in that no expectation, curiosity, let me play space. And wow, you started seeing pretty massive results. Mm -hmm. um, but you mentioned the word obsessive. So I'm curious about when you finally felt that it was balanced for you. Um. Probably when I retired from bodybuilding. So <laughs> yes. I think I think people people take the the word obsessive to be something negative. And I think in my instance, I don't know that it was. I think it was like mm. I was just so persistent and so committed to being the, like when I started, the obsession was like I just want to feel that way. Mm. So it started with just this pursuit of I really like the way I feel, and then it started to be I really like the way I look, and then it started to be like I'm starting to get some attention, and then people started paying me for this thing. And then I started, I started, had this pursuit to be the best in the world. And what, it was this graduation of, of my, my internal and external pursuits or motivations. And when I was a bodybuilder, when I, when I, you know, I didn't recognize myself as a bodybuilder until I was probably almost 30 years old at this point. Like I was a guy who trained. And, I, and I you had already but, won competitions. Yeah, I was and already you still weren't recognizing yourself as a bodybuilder. No, I just never, I, I, you know what? I always said bodybuilding is what I did. It's not who I am. And mm. it's just like, I just loved to train. I, you know, I always saw the, 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 the kind of as a pageant and the, the training in between the competitions was really what I thrived on. I just loved challenging myself because I identified as, as, as a child, as a really lazy person. Cause I came from this family of lazy people who all told me that I was lazy and I was going to be just mm. like them. And my teachers all said, Hey, you're not going to amount to anything because you're lazy. You're not doing these things. So in my mind, I had this story that I was lazy and I hated it. I had personal resentment. And so this, this constant pursuit of like, I just love to train. I want to push myself. I just kept getting better. So that's probably where the obsession kind of manifested. And then I think it was, it was a, you know, quote unquote, healthy obsession. Um, Cause you don't get to be the best in the world at something without being uh, some, some level of obsessed. Yeah, you were proving to yourself you weren't lazy. Like it was yeah. the the living 
breathing proof every day that you weren't lazy. Um, yeah. Was it at all changing your relationship to your family? So interestingly, um, no. By the time I was 27, I was actually, the, I came to the day because I, I started this personal development journey and I started reading about like, you are the five people you surround yourself with. And mm -hmm. so I, I just decided I was going to actually go the next day and tell, tell my parents I didn't want to talk to them anymore. I was like, I'm just going to cut them out of my life. And uh, I, I had a guy who was, you know, quote unquote, coaching me at the time. He was actually a manual therapist, but he was like really, really helpful for me mentally. Still one of the best friends to, these, to this day. And he goes, whoa, 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 you're not doing that. He's like, you're, you're just as much responsible for that relationship as they are. Let's have a mm -hmm. conversation about it. So he really changed the way I looked at that relationship. And because I would come to the relationship with anger and hostility and emotion that was, was carried from my childhood, my, my parents would also come with the same level of hostility. So it was like, just, just like sparks every time we connected. Yeah. So I was able to kind of change the way I perceived it in my brain. And I went in with no emotion. And, and, and so the, the thing that I don't, I didn't share is I was 27 years old and my dad had never called me by my real name. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he'd never yeah. called me by my name. Um, he'd call me any derogatory name under the sun. And, and every time it just, it just hurt me. I was like, I don't want yeah. this in my life. Like I feel yeah. like I'm growing. And so from the time I was three, he had never called me by anything that wasn't derogatory. And so I went wow. into that conversation with like, Hey, you know what? Um, I, I want you to start calling me by my name. Like I feel, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but some of the effect of like, Hey, you know what? Like, that's not working for me anymore. Like, I, I want to have a conversation about how we can respect each other. And I want you to call me by my name. And he goes, okay, well, what do you want me to call you? And I go, how about son? Uh, like, how about Ben? And he goes, okay. Wow. Like, and like, flipped. Just because I didn't come with emotion. Like, right. You changed the whole base premise. Yeah. And so literally ever since we've had a father son relationship. I, before that, I didn't have a father ever. Um, I had, uh, oh, wow. maybe, maybe a companion, maybe a friend, uh, maybe a, uh, ATM, you know, somebody yeah. who'd provide money for me, Yeah. but never did I have someone that I, I talked to. He had never said, I love you in my life. He had never, we'd never hugged literally ever. So like after that point, him and I, since then for the last 14 years now, have had a great relationship, right? As, as great as it can be. And, and I don't care any hostility for my childhood. So it's, it was a big shift. Wow. You know, that's amazing. Um, I have not quite that same story, but uh, I have a family member and it, and it had been very, very estranged and very strained and for years. And I remember someone saying, well, do you need to talk to this family member and, and get a, an apology or justice? And for so long I had wanted that. And then I said, no, you know, what if I never get the apology? What if I never get the, you know, justice in quotes? So instead, how about I change my relationship to the whole situation, much like you did? And it flipped. It just flipped when I think it goes back to dropping those expectations and coming in with, um, with your self-directed vibration, right? the choice you have to show up in the moment however you want independent of the way they've locked you into a pattern and that is a game changer clearly because you got your father back or you got a father i wouldn't even say back you know you got a father um okay so basically you're overcoming your limitations through this whole process of getting healthy and going to the gym um but I imagine that competing 
might have been a challenge for you to stay balanced or healthy. I, I don't know a lot about the competition world. I just do know that I know people who are in it who say it's really difficult to stay balanced. Yeah. What What's your yeah, experience I, I, with that? I don't think there is balance in that sport. I think, mm. I mean, and I think you could relate it to any sport, Lisa. I think you could say any sport at the top, at the, the highest level, I don't know that it's possible to be balanced. You, you have to be so... Uh, driven and almost ruthless with your time and your focus and your energy. Like everyone I talk to who competes at a high level in anything is like, no, oh, there's no balance when I'm when I'm training for the Olympics. There's no balance when I'm training for the, the mm -hmm. World Series. Like, no, oh, I just like I'm just I'm just in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone who can learn to be balanced is truly blessed. And and I don't think I started to receive or achieve balance until my children changed my perspective. Like my children were born within 18 months of each other. And I think that was the first time in my life where my only focus in life wasn't me. Well, I was no wow. longer the the center of my world. It's shifted. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you also you also got into meditation, and I know that was some pivotal pivotal change for you. When did that happen? How how did you yeah. come about that? Like, what did it change for you? So right, same guy um, who helped me with my dad. Um, this is a very him. important guy. Yeah, I'll share who he is. He's, okay. he's, he's just true. I, and people who come into my life, I always take the, the framing of these are angels, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I've had so many angels come into my life and bless me in so many ways. And whether they remain in your life or they just pass mm -hmm. through, um, they're, just, they're just coming and they're giving you these lessons and these gifts. Um, so right around the same time, 2007, um, I had th probably three other people in my life who I felt influenced how I showed up, meaning, my, you know, people who, who were able to make me different than I felt I am inside. They're mm. able to rub, push my buttons, make, make me angry, make me frustrated. And so this, this coach at the time was like, no, man, like, that's all you like, you can't, no one in this whole world can influence your emotions or how you feel unless you let them. And so um, he sent me down this path of studying Dr. Wayne Dyer and understanding meditation. And so I started meditating yeah, so I was 26 years old, 2007, and committed to it pretty pretty diligently in the beginning because I saw an immediate benefit in my ability to not react. Like mm -hmm. I'd be in the middle, of, you know, you're the eye of the storm and you're like, oh, I can watch all these things unfold and not feel like I'm, you know, bubbling under the collar and I can just, I can just exist in this. And I was like, I didn't think this was possible. And that really just opened up my eyes to I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be reactive. I can choose to remain me, who I know I'm, I am in my heart, and not allow these external circumstances to impact me in any way that uh, I don't want them to. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I'm, I'm an enormous um, Dr. Wayne Dyer fan, mm -hmm. so much so that I named his daughter, or my daughter after his daughter. Um, There's a good story there too. I, I oh, that's so great. Yeah. And that was where it all began for me. I started this personal development journey with, with, you know, consuming everything I could from Dr. Wayne Dyer and then a bunch of other people in that, in that era. Yeah. So, okay. So now this is all coalescing into how you serve uh, your population, you know, men over 35, bringing them the pillars that you bring them and helping them understand, you know, energy and optimization. So what, what are you bringing to them? What's the mission here? Yeah. So for the longest time, I was myopically focused on on my body, right? I wanted my body to be the best in the world. And, and that's all that mattered. And along the way, you discover things that make your body more effective, things that make muscle building easier, things that make fat loss easier, 
things that allow you to succeed in, in the mindset aspect of it to balance to balance stress and in the autonomic nervous system um and eat but even even in that so that's where my business started was just in that realm like i'm going to optimize for performance mm -hmm. and it, it was no consideration of like the balance that exists outside of the performance realm it was just like hey be really good at what you're really good at and then when my children were born which was 2012 and 13 uh, it just changed my priorities. I was like, my, my purpose in life can't just be me anymore. I have so much more to live for. And so I started to realize that there was all these other things that needed to be balanced for people, uh, which, you know, obviously is relationships and lifestyle and, and your environment and all these other aspects of, you know, the balance between the performance you and maybe the relationship you and then maybe professional you and finding all the avatars of you that you want to uh, optimize. And so six pillars is my um my my best attempt to condense down all of the things into a blueprint or framework mm -hmm. that we need to think about when we're when we're aspiring to optimize life and you know i i try to create these frameworks as a as an opportunity to to have an all-encompassing really really high level framework from which to kind of chunk down right so like when you think of fitness or you think of muscle building you think of you know, performance, you think of all these different potential categories, it's such a broad spectrum. But the six pillars is, is so simple. And, and the framing is, there's really only six inputs or signals that you can um, introduce to the body to elicit a change, right? So if you think of all of the things that exist in health and fitness, there's really only six ways to interact with the body to actually elicit a change. So like, okay, there's really only six things we ever need to know about in order to change our body or our Ooh, state. what are the six <laughs> well so if you think about it how we move is mm -hmm. is a big one and that's obviously like a, a an enormous potential subcategory mm -hmm. how we move how we eat so how we nourish our body so movement um, nourishment um, how we sleep mm -hmm. how we breathe how we think and then the environment in which we do them mm -hmm. those are the like so if you think of all the different potential inputs the potential right. signals that go into the body there's only six ways i mean you could say well like hormones and, and and pharmaceuticals and for sure you could you could talk about like all these different potential um but those are right? subsets of any number of these six right. yeah right so but there's really so i can control the way i move i can control the way i eat i control the way i sleep i control the way i breathe i control the way i think and then I can control the environment in which I do. I mean, everything fits into that, that, those six categories. So when mm -hmm. someone starts in my ecosystem, we have a full assessment of each of the six pillars. And we say, okay, which of these areas is a strength for you? Which of these areas is a challenge? And then we start addressing the weakest link. As you know, we say, you're only as good as your weakest link. If one of these areas is a glaring weakness for you, and we just move it a little bit, everything gets better. And so when, when people think that nutrition is their biggest problem, to be honest, I would say for 90% of people, nutrition isn't their biggest problem because if you think of nutrition in terms of behavior, it's the fact that nutrition is a behavior problem. Well, then why do we have a behavior problem, right? Are you eating because you're stressed? Are you eating because your environment is poor because you got poor foods around you? Are you eating because it's habitual? So it's not really the nutrition that's the problem. It's mm. the reason that you're eating that's the problem. So we have to look a little bit deeper. And then that really opens people's eyes to like, okay, I don't have a nutrition problem. I have a behavior problem. So let's figure out the behavior that we want to change. And that's a completely different lens through which to, to look at uh, change.
Completely different lens. I actually love these six pillars. And I would say right now for anyone listening, you know, you could do this right now, starting your own assessment right now. Mm -hmm. I just wrote them. I always take notes. So I just wrote in my journal these these six move, eat, sleep, breathe, think and relate. I put relate as like relating mm -hmm. to the environment um, mm -hmm. to to assess the strengths in each and maybe even identify the deficits. And then, you know, more efficiently where to focus your time. I love the example that we think it's a nutrition problem, but wait, we actually control. No one's hand is putting that food in my mouth other than my own. Oh, wow, this is a behavior thing. Mm. I love that. And then of course, oh. I think, you know, I don't know that we realize how much power we have over sleep. I think people just think, oh, I'm not a good sleeper. And we all know now there's a million things that we can control in our environment um, that can help sleep. So I think these six are, I don't know, these are like life pillars. This is not just for like, if you want to get, right. if you want to work out and get fit, this is like, oh, this is good life pillars right here. Yeah. Um, so the environment, just like quickly, when, when I think of the environment, I want to just summarize, and you said there's many things we can consider. It's light, it's air, it's um, EMF, it's people, those are all. Our environment i like i like that you said relate um and all those things are influencing our internal state right so the way i envision this is those six pillars ex exist on the outside theoretically mm -hmm. and I, I, I picture this like little body of me in the middle and, and on the outside i have these six things and they're simply signals right so there's there, every one of those signals from air to light to movement to sleep to breathing are creating some type of interaction with my internal system that cause a hormonal response, uh, a DNA response, an enzymatic response, some type of internal response. We don't need to know what it is. We need to know it's creating some type of internal response. And then I, I tend to adapt or react to whatever I feel on the inside, right? So I'm either adapting and reacting based on goals and being a very objective moving toward it, or I'm adapting and reacting to whatever I feel, whatever I'm experiencing in that moment. And I'm trying to either move away from discomfort or move toward pleasure, right? So if we can then start thinking about, okay, well, all these signals that are happening are, are creating this internal soup, this internal you know, chemical soup in the body. And then I can start to influence how I feel minute to minute just to either support a higher level of performance, a higher level of energy, a higher level of, of uh, optimization of body composition, whatever it happens to be. But we then at least we know from a high level, what are all these things that are actually impacting my system? This, my interpret, my uh, jargon around this is that we are the interface, um, taking the environment and assigning it meaning and, mm. and then living that experience of the meaning we assigned. So to your point, you know, if you start assessing the meaning you've made of the input, um, you can actually change the way you make meaning of it. You can change it from, and, and I even say, I would even say your, your system is helping people go from um, victim to empowered, right? The world is happening to me. I, I'm a bad this, I'm a bad that, um, you know, and even the stories you grew up with, right? With like, I'm a lazy, you know, these are stories that we've made meaning of, and then we've adopted and you're actually empowering people to shift out of the world's happening to me and into no, 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 no. I'm the interface here. I'm the common denominator in all of this. And what if I flip that? Um, but that takes a little bit of a level of awareness. So I'm curious, obviously with your program, people are gonna get this. What is out there? What, what's the thing you can say to people listening right now 
who maybe don't have access to your program yet, right? Or are never going to take your program. They're just listening to this podcast right now. They're listening to you. They're getting inspired, but now they're in their own world. They're not going to reach out to you and do this, but there's something they could do to make a change. What's the thing that everyone could do right now to, to start making their changes? Yeah, I think, I mean, the challenge is always the work, right? It's like, I have to sit down. What I would suggest everyone sitting down to do is like, just take inventory of those areas. Like, mm-hmm. am I moving enough? Am I moving well? Because there's obviously levels in each area, right? There's like, it, there's like adequacy, like, am I doing something? And then there's like competency and then there's you know excellence. And everyone wants to move from like, simply do to do well and maybe do well with intentionality, right? And so mm-hmm. progressing through levels of, um, you know, first start, take an assessment and say, well, how do I move and how do I eat and how am I breathing right now? Creating that level of awareness, as you know, Lisa, awareness is, is the foundation of all change. So how then do we have people just take an, take an assessment? Like, well, what is my light? And, and I think people sometimes don't uh, acknowledge the impact of light on the biological system. It's actually been proven that light is the single biggest influence on our biology, right? Well beyond food, actually well beyond exercise, right? Well beyond our mindset. But people don't acknowledge that. People, you know, they live with their TV on till 11 o'clock at night and, or two o'clock in the morning and then try to go to sleep. Oh, I'm sleeping poorly and I'm anxious and I'm depressed and I have emotional dysregulation and they, they don't tie it back to, hey, it's exclusively because you're watching Netflix until midnight. No yeah. other reason. Yeah. It's not your genetic predisposition. It's like, no, no, this is this is why. Just take that out. My morning sunrise walks are have been game changers. Mm-hmm. Just setting your circadian rhythms with that morning light and then you know being outside during sunset. Those are game changers to my mood, to even my productivity. I find I'm like super oh in flow state those days. Mm-hmm. And if I skip my walk, I can I can feel it. And we're not talking about an exercise walk. We're talking about a sunlight walk. It's the like, walk. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah. So what else can people do? T- take so inventory? I, I think, yeah, I think inventory and go, well, which of these is a deficiency? And then look for things like you just said that are these high impact habits, right? So... I always use the term high impact habits. What are the things that I can do that ultimately leverage as many different areas as possible? And a morning walk is is the perfect example of a high impact habit, which 100% of my clients do every single day. We commit to 30 minutes of walking every morning at sunrise. So they can train before sunrise or they can train after sunrise or whatever they're doing. But we commit to, we look at the time the sun rises and we make sure we're walking around that time. Even if people are in Iceland or some obscure place in the North, like you're going to commit to walking at that time, put on a, a, a big jacket and get out and walk um, because there's so much value in setting your circadian rhythm, getting that natural sunlight, getting that natural air. That's a really high impact habit. So we're looking across all of the domains and saying, what are the what are the things that are going to give me the highest leverage? So for some people, maybe they don't want to weight train. They're like, you know what, man, I don't want to learn. I've never done it. Like you said, like, I don't really like it. It's not maybe it's not a high leverage point for you. Maybe maybe the opportunity is big, but the likelihood of falling through is small. Mm. So what do we find for you that's like, okay, the opportunity is big and the likelihood of falling through is big, right? Because I'm a big believer and I want to, to create a hundred percent success in all of my clients. So if I design a program for a client and they don't follow through with hundred percent success, it's my fault. So I'm gonna find something that suits your lifestyle 
your desires, your skill set makes you feel like, yeah, you know what? I really love this. I think the reason I've been successful in fitness is because early on, I learned to love working out. And any every single human on this planet can learn to love working out if the workout fits your capability, if it fits your, your needs, and ultimately makes you feel good and not worse, right? And And we can... Yep, yeah, I was going to say that this reminds me of two things. One, the importance of small incremental change as a mark of progress, right? To fall in love with the process yep. and not this idea of an outcome. Because if the outcome is too far away from where you're starting at, you're not going to see the progress. But if your focus is the process, then you get those small incremental changes. This is where the dopamine comes. This is where you start to enjoy it. Process focus for me has created more joy than outcome focus. And this yeah. is and this is the opposite of what I thought I was supposed to do in the gym. I thought I was supposed to have the goal and I'm frustrated the whole way because I'm, you know, 90% away from this goal and now i'm depressed but if it's process yeah. it's a game changer so so that was um the first thing you said uh so small incremental change dopamine you said one more thing i'll remember it later but but go on yeah so i i often speak about curating the objective and subjective variables right so objectively, I want to see a small number of things progressing, right? And maybe I want to see the scale change. Maybe I want to see my, my measurements change. Maybe I want to see my body fat change. Maybe I want to see the mirror change. And within my team, we're actually creating a, a, a longevity metrics program. So we've mm -hmm. identified 20 metrics that are objective that we can ultimately correlate with uh, improved longevity numbers if we get better at these 20 longevity metrics. So we're adding to the potential list of wins, right? Because so many people are like, well, you know, my, my weight isn't changing, my measurements aren't changing, and the scale's not really changing, but I've got these 15 longevity metrics that I know are getting better. So we have more opportunities to win. So that's good. Cure creating the subjective variables for me is like, I may ask you before I work at least, how are you feeling? Oh, like, you know, rate your scale, yourself on a scale of one to 10. I, I know I'm like a seven, Ben. And then after the workout, like, how are you feeling now? I, you know, I'm like an eight. Perfect. We can, we can make you aware of how the, the, the exercise or whatever the intervention is, is actually change your subjective state, right? So people, one of my favorite thing to hear from my clients is, Ben, I'm not sure why. I just feel better. Like mm -hmm. my energy just feels better. And that, that to me is, is one of the biggest wins. Cause if you feel better, you show up better for your family, you show up better for yourself, you show up better in your profession, you have more energy to do the things you want to do. And that that ultimately is the win, right? If, if, I would say people who are leaders have enough energy for two, right? We have enough energy for you, enough energy for me. So anything you need me to do, I got you, right? That's a leader in my definition. Mm -hmm. So if we can help you curate that in, in a way that you're like, I just feel so much better. I have an abundance of energy. I don't need the coffee. I don't need to take a nap midday. You know, I get to the end of my day and I'm tired, but I'm, I'm ready to go to bed rather than like I'm, I'm anxious because I've overconsumed stimulants, I think that's the greatest win of all because that gives you enough energy to do everything you could possibly ask for. Absolutely. You know, I was just doing a, a workshop this past weekend and someone said, you know, ener energy exchange is free. And so if we're cultivating energy in our own space for vitality and endurance and vibrance, we show up that way that then pings other people they're going to bounce off our energy and and i'm sure you're you you experience this too it's not just what you say to people ben it's the way you show up that they're mm -hmm. they're vibing off your energy so so 
energy can actually be a win-win. It's, it's not, it doesn't fall like a, a uh, supply and demand kind of thing. It's like, no, the more I have, the more you have yeah. because we're pinging off each other and we're amplifying. And so I would even go to say that the, the people who are listening, who are gonna take the inventory and, and you're going to analyze your strengths and you're going to look at your deficits and you're going to look at those small leverable, leveraged changes across all of them, just know that's going to affect others in a positive way. So even though you might be doing this for yourself, the ripple effect moves beyond you. And this is true because when I'm around vibrant, uplifted, healthy individuals, I feel that. And then I want to be more of that. So it's this self-generating cycle, I feel like. You said you had enough energy for two. I think you have enough energy for the world, right? Because of the ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I do all of this, Lisa, is one, I started doing it because I wanted to have more energy, vitality, peace of mind, calm, so I can show up with my for my family, for my children and be a great leader for them because I didn't have it. I had so much pain around being lonely and really just, just being having absent family when I was a child that I think my mission in this world is to be able to provide. And, and I work with men specifically because it's I can relate, right? I can really right. specifically relate. Men can relate to me. I can relate to them. And so my thing with my guys is I need you to show up the best you possibly can for yourself first, for your family second, and, and your, your vocation third. Because if you can show up at your absolute best for your kids, knowing you're, you're energized, knowing you've got everything you want to get done that day done, you can feel confident, you can have self-respect, you can show up more effectively for them rather than, you know, maybe being angry or, or not feeling adequate or taking out your anger and, and self challenges on them. That's really where this mission comes from for me is like the muscle building is kind of the icing on the cake or the fat mm. loss is that I don't, I, I truly don't care if people gain muscle and lose fat. I, I love to do it cause I'm good at it, but really it's like, Hey, I'm teaching you how to do that. So you can feel better about yourself. So you can be yeah. confident. So you can have self-respect, not, not because the muscle matters, right? The muscle is, is just, yeah, you know, I've been to Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn was one of my greatest um, mentors. And he says, don't set the goal to be a millionaire for the money. Set the goal for the person it makes of you to achieve it. And that's really what I tie into this business is like, man, the muscle and the, and the fat loss, that doesn't matter. Like it's the person you're becoming day to day that allows you to show up more effectively for your kids, for your partner, for your business. That's what, really what I, I aspired to do and the change I want to be in this world. I love that. I want to... I really want everybody to just really let that sink in is that the goal you said is not to attain the goal. It's so that you can become the person that you need to become in order to reach that goal. And that is the juice of it, right? That's the, that's the process of it versus the outcome. Um, I know we're, we're sort of wrapping up on time. So uh, how are people going to get more of you? Tell them where to go to get more because you have so much wisdom and so much application based skills products and services to actually help this wisdom get out there. So how do they get you? Thank you, Lisa. The first thing I'll say is I want everyone to know that your problems are, are seldom unique, right? We work with thousands of people from all over the world. And there's a very small number of challenges that everyone's having. I think when people realize that well, we all have the same problems, our gifts are unique, but our problems are very common. Um, it maybe makes them feel a little bit more empowered to change. And, and so really within the muscle intelligence community, we're focused on, on helping people overcome challenges so they can show up at their best 
and performing whatever they want to perform in, right? Performance doesn't have to be, I want to look like a bodybuilder. I want to be a pro athlete. It's like, man, whatever you, you may just want to perform in, you know, every, every day I go to the trampoline park with my kids. Like I want to perform when I go there and I'm going to have energy to do it and not be sitting on the sidelines. Right. So performance can be literally anything. It could be waking up and dancing with your daughter in the morning. That's performance. I got to have energy to perform, right? Every, you know, whatever it is for you, that's performance. And the muscle intelligence is really focused on helping men over 35 show up at their highest and best uh, so that you can perform at whatever life asks of you. And I think because your people listening to the podcast, muscle intelligence podcast is where, probably the best place to find me. And we've got, gosh, we've been doing this since 2013. So we've got a lot of episodes. Um, we got lots of resources, amazing guests like yourself. You've been on twice, which yeah. you, you, I still to this day think you're one of my favorite guests. Oh, I was like, we got to get Lisa back on again. It was yeah. so awesome. I would love to come to one of your live events. Um, I'd love to do that. We'll, we'll make sure. Let's do an event together. I just put it out to the universe. Let's make a, a life changing event together. That's what we're going to oh, do. I would love to. Okay. I would love to. I'm okay, sure so, there's so much overlap. Yeah, there is. Like we're coming from different areas. There's always so much overlap there is um okay so i'm just gonna close with what i took what the kernels i took from from this talk one be who you are um two curiosity and play get you all the wins three um you're not um you're not what you wait what was it you're not you're you're not what you do you are who you are. That's how I wrote it. Yeah. Then the six pillars, move, eat, sleep, breathe, think, and, and the environment. Then uh, leverage your strengths across multiple areas where possible. I love that one. I'm very pragmatic. Uh, small incremental change for the win, focus on process, and then the hierarchy of self, family, and vocation. So these are the things that I'm going to chew on after this. Ben, Time goes too fast. It was awesome talking to you. And I think this just is the catalyst for so much more. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. I hope we can do it again. Thanks for listening to Unlock Hope. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're at Neurosculpting Institute on Facebook, at Neurosculpting on Instagram. You can always reach out to us on our website, neurosculpting.com. And you can download our app, Neuropraxis. Stay well, everybody.